Aftershocks continue to rock Nepal. This is The World. I'm Marco Werman. Stories of devastation and hope in the aftermath of Saturday's earthquake in Nepal, like this scene in one rural village. All the houses were reduced to rubble, but miraculously, all the people were safe because they were out in the fields when the first earthquake struck. But the danger isn't over because an aftershock can come at any moment. Oh, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. It's earthquake hitting, sorry. This is a presumably a, a significant aftershock. Yes. Also, later on the world, feeding a year's worth of rhino dung into the electricity grid. We can actually produce enough energy to electrify four homes for a year. All that today on The World. Support for PRI's The World comes from PBS, featuring the Oscar-nominated documentary Last Days in Vietnam, on american Experience, directed and produced by Rory Kennedy, including first-person accounts and new footage, Tuesday at 9, 8 central, on PBS. And by TIAA CREF, a financial services company helping to create financial outcomes that matter. Learn more at TIAA.org. <laughs> I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. It'll be a while before we get the full extent of the tragedy that hit Nepal over the weekend. We know that Saturday's earthquake devastated Nepal's capital, Kathmandu, and killed thousands of people. We also expect that death toll to rise because the search for victims continues and because the quake was felt most severely outside Kathmandu in smaller towns and villages. Some of those places are just now being reached by rescue teams. In fact, there are still towns that remain cut off. We start our coverage today with my BBC colleague, Divya Arya. I reached her in Kathmandu. Uh, people have been in a state of panic, and for the last two nights, they have been camping in tents that they have themselves made out of plastic sheets, and they claim that they have been given no help from the government in terms of any food items or water supply, uh, and they feel extremely stranded. Uh, we also went trekking almost to a remote village, which is not connected by road, and we found that all the houses were reduced to rubble, but miraculously, all the people were safe. They were not injured because they were out in the fields when the first earthquake struck, uh, picking out potatoes because this is cultivation time for them. So generally, uh, Divya, how does an urban center like Kathmandu compare with uh, some of these smaller areas in, in the countryside? Uh, the difference probably is that there's some shops that have started working in Kathmandu. There's some food available. And importantly, there's some electricity that has been restored and phone networks are working. But otherwise, all the time we were in the countryside, no electricity, no telephone coverage. Uh, and people said they were even facing shortage of water. But the, all, all of Nepal, I believe, even if houses haven't been damaged, you know, the newspapers are splashed with these big pictures of all, all kinds of damage and uh, rescue efforts and people in the hospital. So there is, I think that multiplies the sense of fear. Mm. Uh, so part of it is fear. And the other part is that there's anger against the government for not providing basic facilities like food and water, especially when, when most shops are closed. There is no electricity and one is completely stranded. So well over 3,000 fatalities now uh, and many, many more injured. What kind of injuries have you witnessed and how are the hospitals coping? Uh, within Kathmandu, the hospitals seem to have everything in order. Uh, what we also interestingly found was that a lot of people had come to the hospitals not because they were injured, but because most big hospitals have these huge lawns right outside, which are like open areas that the people felt safe to sit and spend the day as well as the night in. 
maybe they felt that if there was an aftershock and if they did get injured, uh, they would be in close proximity to a hospital. How bad are the aftershocks? In the afternoon, there was one really big aftershock, six point seven on the Richter scale.、Uh, it was a bit scary, I have to admit. The impact stays with you. Though I had been working continuously for some twenty-two hours without any food, and I was exhausted,、mm. but it was so hard to go to sleep because you constantly had that feeling of an aftershock. Everyone said there were fifteen aftershocks, but I think I felt twenty-five. Divya, you mentioned、uh, water, food, and tent. So, what is most needed right now in Nepal? What are people really clamoring for? It's food, I believe.、Uh, even the drivers who've been driving us around have been requesting to be、uh, allowed to go by five o'clock or six o'clock before it's dark because it's really difficult to drive. There is no streetlight,、uh, and because they need to arrange some food and take it back to their families. There has been some consternation. I gather that a quake of this magnitude has been expected for years. Is there also consternation about how well prepared Nepal was for this? There has been a lot of criticism about、uh, the lack of.